We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Hello and welcome to the Esports Biz Show. I'm your host, Justin Jacobson. This week we'll be discussing esports marketing. Just as a disclaimer, nothing here is intended as legal advice. It's all the information is for educational purposes only. This week's guest is Rebecca Langawa. With over 20 years of experience in sports marketing and innovation, Rebecca is a master connector and networker. She runs her own esports consultancy agency, is an advisor for three global sports tech investment firms, and is an advisory board member for a number of sports tech and esports startups. Rebecca is a go-to for both brands and athletes looking for strategic introductions, ambassador partnerships, post-career advice, and personal branding. She serves on the nomination board for Leukemia and Lymphoma Society and is on the Corporate and Community Advisory Council for Masonic Children's Hospital, Minnesota. Thanks for joining us. Thank you for having me. My pleasure. So to briefly introduce the topic, we're exploring esports marketing. So why esports and gaming? You know, it's one of these very valuable because its largest demographic are males aged 21 to 35 who are pretty hard to reach via traditional media, but are very valuable to brands. You know, there's two dominant forces of marketing in esports and gaming. You have digital marketing and influencer campaigns. Influencer marketing is using influential individuals such as professional athletes, musicians, celebrities, or even professional gamers or streamers or content creators in marketing campaigns. This might include both endemic and non-endemic brands. Endemic brands are those that are naturally part of esports and gaming, such as computer hardware, gaming monitors, controllers, gaming chairs, keyboards. And then you have non-endemic brands, which are really everything else, some soda, energy drinks, alcohol, wine, clothing, sunglasses, you know, really anyone you can think of. So now we know a bit more about esports marketing. Tell us about your esports experience. Yeah, so I um, my esports experience started 
when um, I was working in some VC groups that really work um, to invest in sports technology. So sports technology is like the app on your phone that gives you access to tickets for a basketball game or a football game in lieu of the paper tickets that, you know, we all grew up using. Um, so the companies that build out software and platforms um, similar to that are, are sports tech startups. And what we were noticing was a few years ago, we were getting applicants for our accelerate, accelerator program and investments from esports technology companies. So tech companies that were, you know, really working to um, evolve the esports ecosystem through um, VR, AR, deep learning. And that is where I really started becoming aware of the power of esports and doing research. So it, it started purely from investment strategy and um, working as an advisor and a mentor. And where it has evolved since then is utilizing my sports marketing background to kind of fuse um, marketing leadership and um, branding into the endemic side of, of esports. So working with teams uh, as well as different agencies to help bring esports activations uh, and growth strategy to life. Awesome. So, so what are some stuff you're currently working on now? Uh, the biggest projects um, that I'm working on right now is um, I'm working really closely with the version one team here in Minnesota. Version one is co-owned by the Wilf family who own the Minnesota Vikings NFL team and Gary Vaynerchuk. And that is a property that is really growing exponentially and is continuing to grow. So they have um, the Minnesota Rocker, which is a Call of Duty team. And then they have version one Valorant team and version one Rocket League team. And the way that I work within the organization is really using uh, my background in, in marketing and to, to have conversations with brands about ways that they can leverage relationships with our organization in order to you know, really revolutionize and modify their marketing strategies um, and, and create a, a plan to, to really get in front of our fans and, and consumers within the esports space. So it's really different because I think a lot of times individuals in my position within a team come from a really deeply rooted sales background and essentially what I'm observing with this organization is really leading business development, but I'm doing it from more of a, a marketing background and a marketing lens because what I'm noticing with the non-endemic brands especially is they really need a lot of help figuring out the best way into esports. And with my marketing experience, it's been really helpful to help them put together a thoughtful strategy. And then we work to, um, to live that out throughout um, our, our organization and, and the properties that we have. Okay, so regarding some of the esports consultancy work, how does that usually work with a client? Is it that they kind of come with their goals and you help them achieve them, or do you kind of give them a plan of where you think they should go and how they can make that happen? 
Yeah, it really varies based on who the client is. On on the startup side, if I'm consulting with an esports startup, they have a really strong vision of what they want to do, what their goals are. They've built out this, you know, maybe a technology platform and they know how to really articulate it from an investment strategy, but where they're struggling oftentimes is having the um, awareness and understanding of how to take that product and really bring it into market. So I consult them through um, discovering ways to really modify their communication strategy, their tone of voice, take a look at a lot of their sales decks and materials, and, and really help them modify that in a way that is going to resonate with their um, end consumer. Ultimately, when I'm working with teams, Um, you know, like, like the version one properties, it's really just um, a a role that exists with most of the teams. So the goals and objectives are to, you know, have a growth strategy and and monetize the assets that you have as, as a team or really brainstorm new ways to get in front of fans. And then have how do you anchor that into brand partnerships? When I work with the advertising agencies and marketing agencies that are that are you know looking to get into esports usually it's because they have a brand partner an existing client that really wants to reach this audience and they you know maybe as an agency don't have experience marketing to the esports space so I'll come in and just kind of be a part of their team specific to that to that project and help them come up with ways that they can engage their client in the esports ecosystem that can anchor back to what their client's goals and objectives are. So it's it's really kind of coming in in, in a multitude of different ways, but at the end of the day the way that I usually work is just putting myself um, in the mindset of being on the team, and what would I do if that, you know, if I was a part of the team that I'm getting? We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Contracted to, to, work, to work with. Um, and it, it's, it's really cool because it reminds me of when I worked in full-time advertising and you'd have clients kind of ebb and flow in and out. You get to work on some really cool projects and then that project is done and you move on to the next thing. 
and there's this a similar little energy to that, you know, helping a, an advertising partner or, or a brand partner figure out a way into the esports space and help help guide them through either just the strategy or all the way through an activation and and then be able to move on to the next project. Credit Karma has always been there to help you make better financial decisions. And now they want to help you even more. With the Credit Karma Money Spend account, you can be rewarded for good money habits. Credit Karma Money is a brand new checking account where you can win cash reimbursements for making purchases. Just pay with your debit card, and if you win, you'll be notified on the spot, and your Instant Karma cash will be added back to your spend account. Open your FDIC-insured spend account for free. There's no minimum balance requirements, no overdraft fees, and free withdrawals from a network of over 50,000 ATMs. And when you make a purchase between June 8th and June 30th, you'll automatically be entered to win $1 million. Right now, visit creditkarma.com backslash win money to open your free account and start winning instant karma. Go to creditkarma.com backslash win money to sign up for free and start winning. That's creditkarma.com slash win money. Instant karma is sponsored by Credit Karma. No purchase necessary. Exclusions and terms apply. See rules. Banking services provided by MVB Bank Incorporated. Member FDIC, maximum balance and transfer limits apply. Absolutely. I think you kind of, you know, touched on a lot of really important points of, you know, each kind of client and each, you know, potential consultancy is different and what they're looking for is different. And it's not a one size fits all. And I think that's, you know, a really important, you know, point to bring up that, you know, what one company is trying to do might not be what every company is trying to do. And the way they're trying to do it isn't necessarily the same. And, you know, I think someone that has the experience of all these different levels you can kind of see what they're trying to achieve and help them achieve that because especially in this really highly selective specialized world that we're in, you have to do it that way. You know, the general campaign that a company or a major brand might use isn't necessarily going to work for the esports and gaming segment. Your Geico commercial that you put on TV isn't necessarily the same ad you're going to run on Twitch or YouTube or, you know, the way you're going to promote it to the gaming you know, fandom. So, you know, I think that it's really important that you kind of understand that and kind of, you know, I think touches on some of your other experience. So I know you kind of came from the traditional sports world. Tell us a little bit about the work you were doing there. So I started in sports marketing and advertising on the agency side. And the majority of clients that I've had over the years happened to be in sports and entertainment. And I worked really closely with the Minnesota Timberwolves and the NBA and Orlando Magic for a number of years within an advertising agency. And when I left the agency, I wanted to start a family, kind of, you know, slow down a little bit, um, raise my kids. So I freelanced from there and I was able to retain the Timberwolves as, um, as a client of mine. So I was working with them and their photography team to produce photo shoots be a photo photo editor, work within their creative team on um, project to project basis throughout both the Minnesota Timberwolves season and their WNBA property, the Minnesota Lynx. And when I wanted to go back to work full time, when my youngest went to preschool, I just proactively reached out and said, hey, I think there's a place for me here. And here's some gaps that I think I could fill. And I want to be a part of this team. I'm really passionate about it. And uh, was very, very fortunate to have a wonderful lunch with their 
VP of marketing and their CMO, and they agreed to create a entirely new role uh, to put me in. And, and I worked at the, at the Timberwolves in-house. My job was really an, an interesting one. It was around a time when there was this big digital shift and I was able to be kind of the nucleus between sales and marketing and ran a lot of, we were just calling them special projects, but a lot of them ended up be, be, being what these sports tech initiatives are. So getting something like a flash seats or building out in an in-house CRM um, project management platforms that we could all use to do creative requests that had been done via just emails or paper trails. And it was a really fun time because I was also watching our players building their own personal brands like never before and being able to monetize their social media. So it was just a really interesting moment in time. It was around, I'd say, 2013 when the majority of our players were reaching out, looking for people to help them monetize their social media and build social media strategies. I was able to really lean in and, and help be a voice to that. And when I left the Timberwolves, I worked directly with a few athletes on their personal brand, uh, as well as I produced a podcast and television show um, for for a pro athlete, former pro athlete, also a former governor here in Minnesota. And just my career just ha- has happened like very organically. I, I never sat and mapped out a pathway. But I think when you work in innovation and digital, it's really hard to predict where your career is going to go. You just have to have an openness and a willingness to constantly evolve and, and try new things. And I feel really grateful that I've been able to work on some cutting edge stuff and be in a space, especially in a sports space, that's a, a really fun passion type of a project because majority of the work that I've done over the past 20 years has just felt like I'm happy to be there. It hasn't felt like work. I mean, there's obviously moments where you're leaning in and you're busy and there's, there's those aspects to it, but I feel grateful at the end of the day. Amazing. And I think that you kind of, you know, bring up a lot of points and, you know, something I always like to, you know, touch on is, so what kind of similarities do you kind of notice between, you know, working in sports and now working in, you know, the esports and gaming segment? Um, there's, there's a lot of similarities, but there's also a lot of really, you know, vast differences. I'd say on this, on the similarity part, when, when you take a look at esports from the team aspect, that's where a lot of the similarities come, right? Especially pre-pandemic when we were doing live events. There's a lot of learnings that you can pull from you know, managing players, managing a live event, um, reaching out to to fans in in real tangible, physical ways, um, like doing watch parties and giveaways. Those are all things that really have come from traditional sports and are, are lending to do really interesting things here in the esports space. I think where the big differences are, are the ways that the fans are engaging with the teams and the way that fans 
are hyper engaged with each other. In traditional sports, it's really hard to feel like you have a personal relationship with a player on a team. You can kind of follow them on social and feel like you have a peek behind the curtain, but you're not necessarily connecting with them and they're not really connecting with you. In esports, especially when you take a look at the streamer aspect of the esports industry, you have this direct connection to the talent that you are a fan of. And you're not only chatting with the other fans kind of in real time, but you're able to get um, kind of a direct, immediate live connection to the talent that you follow and that you're passionate about. And a lot of times they might call your name out or mention you and comment, um, say hello to you. There's, there's a lot of relationship building there that doesn't happen in traditional sports. And then the community itself is just so hyper-connected, utilizing things like Reddit and Discord and even the, the, the Twitch chats to really build this sense of belonging and community that just does not exist in the traditional sports space. I mean, our fans are, are so connected to each other. And when we do our Discord watch parties in, in um, Call of Duty, we've just got these people that are, are so in love with our team, but also really building friendships with each other and respecting each other and cheering each other on. And it's been a really cool thing to watch. And, um, and as an organization, the ability to reach our fans through those mediums is something that when I was in traditional sports, we would have loved to have, you know, all of them together, communicating with them, getting real time feedback. That's a really big, powerful um, part of an esports brand and an esports ecosystem. And that I think is where um, brands are finding a huge amount of value. It's this captive audience and you, they don't have to create it from scratch or ask them to come. They can work with esports properties and esports communities and get in front of large amounts of individuals in real time, all together where they already are. Um, and, and that to me is, is the beauty of, of this industry. Exactly. I mean, I think that's you know something that I kind of bring up and touch on. It's like you really have these hyperactive fans that, you know, they're in the Twitch chat talking to each other and asking what they were doing. And, you know, as you start seeing the same names and you're doing it day after day, month after month, you start actually having connections beyond just you and the streamer. It's between you and the mods and you and the other subscribers who are, you know, kind of starting to get your name familiar. And I think that, you know, as a brand being able to capitalize on that hyper engagement and that sense of, oh, well, this looks great because someone who I've been talking to for months says it's great. You know, it really kind of works. Mm -hmm. And the ability to pivot when something's not great is really key here as well. I think there's ways to, um, from, from a brand side, especially when it comes to working with streamers or working with a team to, to try something out and you'll know really quickly whether people are into it or not. Um, and then you can just try a new thing. You just continue to test and measure and, and evolve. And, um, that to me is, it, it, it's a really cool way to kind of get 
uh, the, a bearing on what's going to resonate with this audience group. And, and you talked about the age, the age demographic within esports, and it, that is a really difficult demographic to reach. Majority of esports fans uh, and the community as a whole have been digital their entire lives, and they aren't paying any attention to traditional traditional media. And it's it's hard if you take a a look at really large non-endemic brands for them to shift and do something entirely new takes, you know, it it takes them a long time to get there. It's like turning around a ship, you know? Um, But it's what's kind of like, look, flesh that out a little. Yeah. So tell me, you know, how are you able to kind of take like, you know, an inexperienced brand, you know, one of these special big ones that have been working in a certain way into this novel space? Like, you know, what's like the biggest hurdle you've, kind of encountered when trying to do that? Oh, man, there's a lot, there's a lot of, of mindset shift that needs to happen. And, you know, I, I haven't done anything yet where I've been like, oh, they, this is perfect, right? Like, it's, it's going to be a, a slow, um, slow build. It's going to be a, a, a hard transition for a lot of these large companies. And there's a number of things that I think over time, they've been doing wrong. One is, saying, well, we've got this in-house creative team and let's just assign so-and-so who's young and they know how to play video games and we're going to have them learn esports, right? Like you have to bring in the experts that have been in this industry for a while. And there's a lot of them out there that are strategists and consultants or looking for a job, you know, bring somebody in that's been in the industry for, you know, three to five years that's maybe working in-house at a team that you can, that they're already in the community. They're already doing the work, creating the content, building community strategy, managing communities, bring them in-house and listen to them and give them the ability to help you evolve. The other is, really large brands are so dependent on these huge long-term agency of record relationships and almost every large agency is way behind on on esports and gaming as a discipline. It's a digital strategy like you said it's an influencer strategy and a digital strategy. And there's a lot of very large brands that even have um products that are endemic to the space, but they're not building online communities where their consumers actually are. So it's it's difficult because you look at the C-suite executives in those spaces and they don't understand esports. They don't understand gaming. There's a lot of education that needs to happen. Well, the first thing's is the education, but it takes a long time to stick. It's a complex system. It's like going to another planet and trying to explain to somebody what the Olympics is. You know, it's complex. There's layers and layers to it. There's all these different, there's all these different games. There's all these different types of athletes. Every single game has a totally different set of the types of fans and fan personalities and fan attributes that pay attention to that, to that sport Esports is just like that. You've got a ton of games that are esports, and the types of fans that they're reaching are very different 
The types of games are extremely different. The way you have to market to those individuals, the tone of voice, that communication strategy is very nuanced if you really want to resonate with that. Um, and then, you know, where is where does your brand really fit? What's the right avenue to go down? Um, and I th- and and I think over time, marketing has really just evolved to large ad campaigns. And what happens in a large ad campaign is you're talking to who you think your target audience is. And the difference with an esports fan is they don't want to be talked to. They want you to be a part of their community and a part of the conversation. So if you start marketing to them and you haven't invested in becoming a part of their community, their chances of, you know, adopting who you are as a brand is a little bit lower. Uh, They are very hyper engaged, hyper aware and extremely smart. And they do see through lazy marketing tactics They'll call you out for it. So brands get when when brands know that they kind of get a little bit afraid to try. Um, but the biggest thing I think that a non-endemic brand can do is to just start building the community, not overthinking how to build that community. Just really truly bringing a, maybe one or two new people into the organization that come from esports and create a Discord. Start getting your your brand voice into into Twitch um, deeper than ad integration. I mean, truly, there's there's brands that have the ability to build their own Twitch channel and, and build content there um, that I think would be really cool. Uh, we just haven't seen a lot of people take the risk to go out and, and do that. Um, and I think part of it has to do with they're so used to having these year-long campaign initiatives that they just don't know how to pivot quickly. They just don't know how to take digital risk. Um, but the ones that do are going to reap big benefits. The ones that already have been, we know are seeing huge benefits, but they're the traditional risk takers that we've seen over over time, right? The, the Mountain Dews, the Doritos. Um, the Red Bulls that have been in this space for quite a while, uh, Totinos, they're, they have a lot of brand um, affinity when it comes to the esports space, but they're, they are really truly part of the community. They're ingrained in the community and they're having conversations with. So those are really um, great brands to kind of take some guidance from. Yeah, I mean, I think that, you know, the point that you've kind of brought up and what I've been kind of noticing, it's like, you know, it took me years of most of the first couple of years of doing this. It was all my conversations just really explaining to the more traditional you know, entertainment and sports people that I was dealing with about what was going on here. You know, it wasn't until the Fortnite Ninja that I could throw that out there, but it was just kind of really an education process and explaining to them what's going on here and how you can engage with them and you know, different options and why it's different than what you're used to, where you're used to paying X amount of dollars and you got a tweet and that's what it was from an athlete. But now it's different. There's so many options and so many ways for you as a brand to engage in five different levels from five different strategies. But if you don't even understand how to do it, you're just not going to be able to do it. 
right? And I think you touched on something when it comes to education. They can hear it. All, you know, you, you can say it again and again and again to the decision maker, but it's not until they believe, believe it, the belief that it's valid, the belief that they need to do it. And I like to say it's not so much of um, the fear of missing out. It, it will be the cost of missing out because this is a space that is just continuing to grow. And there's so much room to get to get a seat at the table. And in the cost of entry is only going to increase. So it is the cost of missing out. If you're not in it now, it's going to cost you a heck of a lot more to get in, to get started. And it's going to be really hard to be that unique voice because they're, everyone's trying to get into this space right now. So if you wait too long, your message is going to just get drowned out in the same way that we see how many different billboards when we when we drive, you know, from from work to home um, or through the city. Um, right now, if you're a brand getting into esports, you really do have a captive audience. You have the ability to reach a lot of people because it's not overly crowded. But it just is growing so fast that in a few years, it's going to be difficult to have this um, audience really be super familiar with you, you know, in the space. I don't know how to articulate that better. You might have another way to say it, but um, there is, there is a really great opportunity right now to have a, a, a pretty wide set of, of eyes um, on your brand. And the research shows 71% of gamers, um, esports enthusiasts, when, when a brand is in their space, 71% of them say they're more likely to purchase from that brand, to purchase it, because they value so much the brand's willingness to invest in the space that they reward that brand back. I th- you know, I think that's a really good point that you kind of, you know, bring up, you know, there's only a finite amount of being the first in it. Like, you know, for instance, you know, this past week, Oakley just brought in their first talent. You know, I know that, you know, we were talking with them for months when they kind of un- un- launched it. And, you know, it's one of these things where as the top people get bigger and bigger in these, you know, there's they're in movies now. Pokemon's in a movie and Dr. Disrespect has, you know, a book coming out and a TV show based on his life. You know, as the top, top people continue to just grow, the cost to deal with them is just going to continue to grow with them. Whereas if you're not in here where you might be able to work with someone big at a lower cost just because the market hasn't dictated that they can command more yet. But in three years from now, and that person is still here and growing, they're going to be three times bigger, if not, you know, more, if not more. And what you're going to have to do to, like you said, get in this thing where you have monster and Red Bull and G fuel and ghost energy and sneak energy and juggernaut. And, you know, I see an energy code every five minutes from a different streamer content creator. So how do you even make an impact when you have 30 different brands with a similar product at a similar market? It's just you all of it gets drowned out. And the one who's the biggest and baddest wins over everyone. Yeah. Yeah. But right now you don't even have to spend a ton of money in the space to authentically get into the space with credibility, you know? So it's not about I think what happens in um in a lot of you know marketing departments of brands as they're looking for an example of 
like who's doing it um, that they can, you know, learn from and watch. Like I had a call with a, a nonprofit that want, you know, was asking me what types of ways are nonprofits getting into esports? Who's doing it really well? It's like, well, to be honest, nobody, nobody's really doing that. Right. Like it's very, some people, some nonprofits are, but it's very, very, very niche and small for nonprofits. Now St. Jude is probably the the biggest name in esports when it comes to nonprofits, but there's not a lot of examples. So if, if you're a brand and you don't see yourself represented in the esports space, don't wait until you see somebody that does exactly what you do or sells the same product as you. Do it first. Be the first to market in a totally new way, you know, and and trust um, a team that you're working with or an influencer that you would represent. Um, or, or build out your own strategy and, and bring in a strategist to help you develop a strategy of where you can fit into the space. If you, if you wait until there's a, a ton of case studies that look just like you, then you may have missed your window to really make a splash, you know? Or exactly, or the cost of entry is just going to be so much higher than it might have been if you would have just you know, pulled the trigger a little bit earlier, saw what everyone else is starting to see. Yeah. Yeah. And I've, I mean, we worked on a really cool project with Crocs um, where they just kind of dipped their toe in the water and, and it, it wasn't, it wasn't a huge cost of entry, but it came in with intentionality and purpose. It was a sponsorship of an all female war zone tournament and the metrics were really great. We had a lot of chatter about Crocs within our community. And, um, you know, Crocs is actually a brand a lot of gamers wear. I think if if more brands like that can kind of take that risk and dip a toe in the water and and do something with five figures, you know, you don't need six figures to get your brand out into this space. You can do it with five figures. I, I think that's a really great way for um, companies to to just to just start. You don't have to build out a three year strategy. You can make your name known and feel it out and trust a, a partnership. Par- doing an activation partnership is is the easiest way to get in because you don't have to revolutionize the way that your company is running or working internally. But a long-term strategy should be that your overall digital marketing strategy includes reaching this core audience because if you want to reach Gen Z, then you have to build out a robust digital strategy. And we do know that a very, very large number of Gen Z are gamers. They're already here. They're already engaging. Yeah, I mean, I... Yeah, I mean, I totally agree with that point. I think that you have to understand that you don't have to have this year-long, like you mentioned, elaborate plan where you can do, you know, a three-month campaign where it's like, you know, a third or a sixth of what you would usually pay and you'll be able to see what it's like. Well, it might not necessarily be what you're used to and have been doing for, you know, decades, but there's a reason that you need to shift. 
well, let's be real. Who was watching TV ads? I can't even remember the last time I you know, was watching TV ads. And, you know, I wrote a law review article in law school when, you know, the cable vision decision came out and DVRs were kind of allowed to exist in their capacity where it's like, you're never going to watch a commercial again. And if a commercial is even in there, it's going to be old. Like the movie trailer that's in there, it's going to be outdated. So, you know, I think that anyone that's trying to get in front of mostly anyone, unless you're, you know, this probably 50 year old and plus, you're going to have to figure out how to be digital, whether it's on the digital, you know, streaming platforms or Twitch or any of these other streaming, you know, online ones. It's that's where everyone is. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, there's like other ways that you can get your products in front of this audience that not very many brands are doing. Um, you know, maybe even putting out some Twitter ads and hyper-targeting, um, you know, mirroring the the followers and just really truly hyper-targeting the followers of some of the top esports properties or the top you know, gaming communities or influencers. And now you are creating an ad specific to that target audience. And um, when live events come back, doing geolocation targeting during major tournaments or gaming events or industry events to get your product, you know, custom targeted at a very, these are very low cost when you do targeted ads like that, that are um, geolocated or just targeting specific groups of individuals or followers of specific groups and individuals. And that can be done in an existing agency model, an existing digital agency model. Um, it's it, it just kind of blows my mind sometimes that people aren't really thinking about, about this group. But when you look back in time, that the youngest generation is where every brand says they want to target, but they want to target them in, in their in the way that they've always been targeting their own audience. They're, it, it's like this mind-blowing thing. History repeats itself. So what I hear all the time from brands and reading articles and is how can we reach Gen Z? And then there's an entire group of, of you know, millions and millions and hundreds of millions of Gen Z in the same space conversing with each other. And the, and the brands are like, well, not there. <laughs> How do we reach them through TV? <laughs> it's like, no, we're telling you where Gen Z. Well, it's like the, they're not talking to each other. You know, the marketing par- company, the marketing agency and their ad agency department isn't talking to these people that are making these statements. You know, it's like there's a disconnect probably internally at some of these places. Yeah. They're very siloed. Um, and what I, the pattern that I see is most of the brands that are in this space are coming through their sports marketing and, um, influencer divisions, um, which is fine when you're just doing a a partnership, you know, a team partnership or an influencer partnership, that makes sense. But if they're really going to be, um, a part of the esports community, their digital team and their social team and their influencer team should be working all together in tandem to build out um, a whole new way to communicate to this audience. They should be doing it together. They should really be partnering and and um, and working closely to ensure that throughout 
all of their messaging and the ways that they're engaging with consumers really can uh, be cohesive and thoughtful to this group of individuals. Absolutely. So, you know, I know we've kind of touched on a little bit. So, you know, what do you kind of look for when you're creating influencer marketing campaign? Are there any, you know, minimum metrics or level of notoriety? You know, is there a platform that, you know, some brands prefer over others? What have you been noticing? Um, well, for me personally, when I'm working with a client and we're trying to find an appropriate influencer, and this goes for, you know, traditional athletes and, and esports talent. It has less to do with just sheer volume of followers and more to do with um, their values, who they are, things that they like. Does it anchor back to what that brand has to offer? And then how much engagement are they really getting? Are they connecting and creating relationships with their fans? Are they being... Um, thoughtful and intentional with their existing brand partners and representing them very well. I care more about the the why and the heart story and the relationships than I do about the metrics. Because a lot of times what you see, and I learned this working in pro sports, even just watching players that, you know, you think are going to be the top, the top of the top, the best athlete ever because of metrics, but really the way they live their life out had becomes a hindrance to whether or not they're going to be successful just overall it's like people in the world right so i'm i care more about how they live out what they're doing online and what they believe in and the products that they're already engaging with than i do about just a follower count because you could have a really large follower account, but maybe only a fraction of them, a very small, small percentage are actually engaging or believing what they're saying. But if you have somebody that maybe doesn't even have as many followers, but those followers feel like they are closely connected with that personality, then they will adopt what that individual is telling them to do. They're going to buy the thing. They're going to at least try it out. Um, and that to me is more valuable. You get a lot more traction that way. I agree. I mean, I think that's one of these big, you know, points where, you know, music calls like the thousand true fans where it's like, yeah, you want to have a hundred million fans, but if you have a thousand or 2000 or 5,000 people that are going to listen to you, buy your t-shirt, go to your concert, you know, subscribe to you every month, maybe they'll buy a hoodie or a mouse pad with your name on it when they need a hoodie, you know, like they're going to use your code when they use G fuel or something that is more valuable in the long term because those are the people that are really caring about what you're doing. And they're going to be almost preaching about how great you are. And as you start with this base, you can grow it. Or if you have this huge, really unrelated, non really interacting number, there's no way for them to interact and grow with each other. And it just, feels really disconnected and it's just look like you're just an ad agency where it's just kind of like you're just pushing a product and you're not really engaging as you know like a personality at all right yeah absolutely i agree with you and like you know i, I even see it in um the way that that you communicate your talent you're the way that you're even presenting the talent 
that you represent is really holistic. It's not just a bunch of metrics. It really talks about like who they are. And, and that's, what's important from a brand perspective is like, is this going to resonate with my brand? Is this person going to be really able to, to represent my brand and be a voice for my brand? And, um, I think that's the power of have of, of personalities, having agents and having, um, someone to help extract that from them. I mean, I think I've, I've had to do that with talent and I know that's a huge part of your job is like, how do you extract that information from them about what they're passionate about and, and the products that they love and, and already use? And then how do you take that information and proactively reach out to a, a brand potential partner that is, really resonates authentically, right? Everything comes down to that authenticity. Yeah, I mean, I think that, you know, the big point, you know, coming from the more traditional entertainment sports world is that's what it's about. It's really beyond what your metrics are and what your followers are. It's who you are, what your politics are, what you believe in, what music you like, what movies you like. That's what really connects with most people. And, you know, that's what I focus on in my communications. Like, do you like Game of Thrones? Do you like Marvel? Do you like working out? Do you like jujitsu? What connects you to everyone else in addition to gaming? Because I think that's what makes you more relatable. I think that's why, you know, the last couple of years and definitely the last few months, you see this rise of the more traditional influencer, the musician, the celebrity, the the professional athlete. You have WWE stars, you know, all UCW, all of these different more traditional celebrities engaging in games and kind of showing this other avenue of their lives. And Let's be real. We always knew that they were playing video games and there was, a, you know, that everyone was playing Halo and Madden and 2K in the locker room. Right. But now that you can see them actually playing it and it's like, oh, my God, this is Jamal Charles is playing NBA 2K in the park. Like I could potentially be against him if I load up in the same park as him. Like, you know, this is like an all pro, you know, record breaking running back. And it's just He's just like you. He wants to play 2K in Warzone and, and engage with his friends. And, you know, he gets mad when he misses a shot he should have made just like you. And, you know, it kind of, as we brought up earlier, humanizes them a little bit, takes them down from this hard and unreachable talent that they really used to be to someone that just plays Warzone with his friends just like me and you and like we've been doing for however many years. Yeah. And when I worked at the Timberwolves, we had players that – would pack their consoles and games when they'd go on the road on road trips, because that was something they really enjoyed doing. And, you know, the, the guys would maybe hang out in, in a hotel room, some of them together. Um, and sometimes just for the ability to just sit and be able to game and be connected to something that you love to do. That's been going on for years and years and years. And I'm trying to think of what, how long ago was it? I had to say maybe 10 years ago, we had, um, a, a child from Make-A-Wish whose wish was to come and play video games with Carl Anthony Towns and they did it from a suite and they lowered the center hung and they were playing video games together on, on the Jumbotron from a suite. And it was so cool. You know, gaming is such a beautiful way for people to build relationships and connect with each other. And it is from a, a little kid all the way up to, you know, the biggest 
stars out there. Um, so when you can have something that resonates with so many people, I think it's a space that is just perfect for brands to pay attention to and engage with. Absolutely. And, you know, I, I think that I would love to play, you know, NBA against an NBA 2K, you know, an NBA star. So I, I can only imagine how much that is to play on the huge screen in the middle of the arena. I know. So cool. And just being so, so, behind the scenes and seeing it is like just a super special moment. Absolutely. So, you know, what's some advice you have for anyone trying to kind of work in the esports business? Um, you know, just kind of get acclimated with the industry as a whole. I like to take a look at like, what are you already good at? What are your existing skills? And are they transferable into the space? For me, you know, I'm a marketer, I'm a biz dev person. So to have a sale, sales and marketing is, is kind of where I shine. And I've been able to take that and bring it into the esports ecosystem. So you don't have to know everything about the industry, everything about gaming. You know, I like to be well educated and well versed in the space. So I do read publications, um, you know, the esports observer and 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 like publications so that I know what's happening in the industry. But the majority of things that I'm really leaning in and learning about are what types of partnerships are happening. Um, who's doing what, what's working, what influencers are kind of hot, that, but it, it, that is part of the space that is more directly tied to what I do every day, right? So acclimating yourself with the industry overall, but not being, you know, having a mindset that you have to know everything because you don't have to know everything. Um, also reaching out and and learning from other people, find yourself a mentor, be willing to volunteer your time in the space. Uh, when, when live events are back, you know, work, see if a team or a tournament organizer has volunteers or wants volunteers to, to help them boots on the ground, be acclimated in the scene. Um, that's a really helpful way or reach out to somebody on LinkedIn and ask if you can be a free intern for them couple, couple, you know, hours a week and just getting yourself into the space is, is the best way to start. Just start doing if, if you're looking for a career as, uh, as a streamer or a competitor, start getting your name out there, join something like eFuse and see who's looking for athletes to join their team or who's looking um, to to hire streamers? Just build it out. Start doing it. Um, take a risk. Uh, I wouldn't quit your day job if you have one. Keep doing that. But also, you know, invest in your future. Sometimes means you're not going out with friends as much, or you're not watching as much um, Netflix. Maybe instead of spending as you know, maybe take half the time you'd be consuming content on Twitch and divide that in half and half of that time, start building your own Twitch channel, start building your own personal brand, um, create some VODs of your content, push it to your social, investing in yourself and being willing to do the education without compensation is like the biggest, biggest life lesson that I've learned. Um, you have to invest the time to do it. You can't wait for somebody to give you a job in the space. Just 
start doing and the job will come. Your hard work will be noticed. Yeah, I mean, I, I totally agree. And I think that, you know, you bring up a point that as someone who's coming up in the entertainment and music world, that's what this is. Like when I run the legal department, I don't want someone that's never worked at a, a record label or a management company or with talent or in this entertainment space. Like you just don't understand that it's a totally different world than working at a family lawyer or a judge or, you know, negligence. It's a totally different world interacting with talent, working with brands in the space, how you talk to them. And you need this experience. And once you have this experience, you're able to see the similarities and get this information that you really can't get. And as you mentioned, it's the difference between you being able to succeed or not. Right. Right. Absolutely. So, yeah. So, you know, kind of bring it all together. So what's the future hold for you in this space? The future for me in the space? Um, you know, I'm not exactly sure where the future for me is in this space. I'm really happy where I'm at. I love working with version one and Minnesota rocker. It's a huge passion of mine and it's a great team. So as long as they're willing to keep me, <laughs> I'm going to continue to lean in. Um, they're really, uh, the, the biggest part of, of what I do every day. I, I love innovation. I love working with startups. So being able to, to help those through, Companies like Brickhouse and Stadia Ventures has been a, a really big blessing of mine as well. Um, I'm just a professional problem solver, maybe. So I love working with new clients and helping people figure out where they can fit in this space, uh, where their brands can fit in this space, or how they can even evolve as an endemic organization to to grow and monetize. So I, um, you know, I kind of let my clients come to me and. I really just look forward to making an impact um, for a long time. So shift into a little bit. So what's your gaming? You know, do you play games? What, what What's your, no, your experience I, in playing video games and all that? There's not even a single mobile game. I'm like the only mother in the United States without a mobile game on her phone. Um, I'm not a gamer. And it's interesting because people ask me that question all the time. But no one ever, when I worked in the NBA for years and years, no one ever asked me if I was a basketball player. Um, I am a marketer. And so I look, I, I understand the space and have a lot of knowledge on the space, looking at it through a marketer's lens and a lens of monetization and sales. Um, but if I was a gamer, I wouldn't have enough time to be as great as I am at what I do. I'd be stuck gaming. Right, it's just too much fun to put it down. So <laughs> I, I, I know how that goes. I mean, I was I played video um, so games yeah, so you, as a kid. Like I, you know, I had we had the an Atari that we got one Christmas. I was probably six years old, and then we had like the original Nintendo, and and I definitely spent a lot of time playing um, Mario Brothers and and Tetris. But yeah, I just have um, just my brother was a major gamer, and I just have never really been a gamer okay real life calls and you know but you got mario so that that that's an icon and we can't ever knock mario oh yeah i could save the princess with one guy i felt pretty proud of myself as a kid but i was able to because i watched my brother do it so many times that i kind of like learned the game from watching him awesome so you know thank you so much for joining us this was extremely insightful so tell them where they can find you 
Yeah, um, I'm on LinkedIn, and um, so you can follow me there. Also, um, my podcast is called The Future of Marketing in Esports. It's on the Futurei Network, and that's a really great place to to listen and follow along and hear more conversations similar to this one about what's happening in marketing, um, where I can kind of put other people in the hot seat and learn about emerging technology and other things that are helping the uh, marketing side of esports grow. Yeah, everyone definitely check out the podcast. There's definitely some very entertaining guests that they've had. And, you know, I've definitely enjoyed listening to it. So, you know, thanks again, everybody, for tuning in. And make sure to follow me on Twitter, JustinJESQ, and check Apple Podcasts for all our past episodes. thinking about mcdonald's all day can't get it off my mind i can already taste it Ooh, got my mind on my mouth and my mouth ready for some mickey d's deal there's a deal for every moment at mcdonald's right now get two of your favorites for just 350 mix and match a classic mcchicken a hot and spicy mcchicken or a juicy mcdouble price and participation may vary cannot be combined with combo meal single item at regular price Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.